Time to, to dismiss children to 252. They can go to the doors over here and meet uh, Cody uh, for our kids' church. If you have children that need to be checked into the, the nursery, you can take them through these uh, same side doors and across the hall into uh, the nursery. As they are heading out, I, I would like to give an additional encouragement, as Chris did, uh, and as Cody did, about the uh, community-focused VBS. Uh, be praying about that, and, and if you are able, please come to the meeting and, uh, and hear what we're, what we're planning and be a part of if you're able to serve in any way. We really think this is going to be a great, great opportunity. The staff members and I, uh, some of us walked through, ministry leaders walked through a book last year called The Gospel Driven Church. And one of the, the phrases in there that has stuck out with me uh, was that churches need to shift their ministries from a come and see model to a go and tell model. Right? So instead of, hey, we've got stuff going on, why don't y'all come hear about it all? Why don't you come hear about Jesus? Let's be the kind of church that takes the message of Christ out, takes the love of Christ out. So we want to be thinking about that personally, but we also want to be thinking about that from a ministry standpoint of Dogwood Church and each individual ministries. And I know our, our youth ministry is working through some things of how can they be a light in this community? How can they serve and show the love and care of our Savior? And we've got this VBS with our kids ministry. So these are really great opportunities for us to, to take on that model of we're going to take the good news of the gospel out uh, and we're going to take the love of Christ out. And so let's be praying about those things and let's, uh, let's serve in those ways when we're able. We have been in Luke's gospel for quite some time. Uh, I was looking ahead, kind of planning sermons, and I think we're actually down to about the last uh, probably eight to nine sermons in the Gospel of Luke, and we will have walked through the whole Gospel uh, of Luke. It's going to have been about a year and a half of time that we've been doing that. Um, Luke has been presenting evidence all along of uh, who is this man, Jesus, right? That, that was his purpose. He states it up front, that his purpose was to make sure that the reader would know with certainty who Jesus Christ is. And so as I've told you before, my purpose in us spending, yes, a long time, but spending week in and week out in this gospel has been to let the Word of God just hold out our Savior for us and see what does this show us about our Savior? What does this show us about Jesus? And we continue that this week. Our sermon is titled, Seeing the Savior. So if you have your, your Bible, turn with me to Luke 18. And as we look at the text today, I want us thinking through that with, with this question. What do we see about Jesus here? What does it present to us about our Savior here? So we're going to be finishing Luke 18 and reading the start of Luke 19 also. Starting Luke 18, verse 35. I'm going to read for us and pray. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging Hearing a crowd was passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front told him to keep quiet, but he kept on, kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see, and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see Jesus, trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house. Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the truth of your word, God. We thank you that our lives can be changed because of these truths. And so, Lord, we ask now that you do that, that you open our eyes to see and that we will be changed by the Savior that we see in, the, in your word today, God. Work in us and then work through us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we're looking through this text uh, Like I said, I want us to be thinking, what do we see about Jesus here? The first thing that we're going to see is this. In our needs, Jesus cares. In our needs, Jesus cares. Let's look back at 35 to 41 again. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front told him to keep quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. 
to remember Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, he's approaching Jerusalem. That's, there was a, a, a shift in Luke's gospel uh, several chapters back where he set his face on Jerusalem, set his face to go to the town where he would be crucified. And so he's getting closer and closer to Jerusalem. This is within a couple of days, probably, of him entering Jerusalem on that triumphal entry uh, day. We had Chris uh, Williams preached about the triumphal entry a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And so this is just a couple of days before he's going to enter Jerusalem, which of course is his final days, because that's going to be the week that he's going to die on a cross for our sins. So Jericho's less than 20 miles from Jerusalem. He is close to accomplishing what it is he came for. And there's a blind man begging. Now we learn in Mark's Gospel, I believe, his name is Bartimaeus. Uh, So the blind Bartimaeus, uh, anybody blind in the culture of that day, the only way they would have been able to provide for themselves and provide for a family if they had one would to be a beggar. There would not be uh, any type of assistance programs, things like that. You would have to just beg for mercy from someone. Would you please help me? Would you please take care of me? And so this blind man, Bartimaeus, is sitting by the side of the road like he did likely every single day, begging for mercy, begging for some type of support from people as they passed by. But on this day, he recognizes there's something different going on. Like there's like more of a hustle and bustle going on. Like it's not the, the occasional uh, like couple of people walking by talking or hearing the footsteps of one person pass by or somebody leading some animals by. There's a crowd passing by and he's thinking, man, something's happening. What's going on here? I can hear this massive crowd. And so he asks, What's all this noise? Like, what's happening? And he hears, they tell him, hey, the the guy, Jesus of Nazareth, the one that everybody's been talking about, he's about to come by here. He's walking through. He's passing through our town. And as soon as he hears that, he starts crying out for mercy. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's crying out to Jesus for mercy. He's asking Jesus to step into his world and change things. Now, Son of David, we've talked about that before. That's a messianic title. From the Old Testament, uh, the Scriptures explain that the Messiah, the promised one that was to come, that was going to right all the wrongs, that was going to restore things, that he was going to come from the line of David. And so when Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus, he's crying out to Jesus, confessing and recognizing. He believes this is the promised one. This is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the one that can actually help me right now. This is the one that can change my situation. And so he's crying out, Son of David, have 
have mercy on me. The crowds, of course, don't want him to bother Jesus. This beggar who has no value in their eyesight. And they tell him to be quiet. They tell him to stop trying to bother Jesus. The the word in the original text is they rebuked him. Harshly. Don't keep calling out for Jesus. Don't bother Him. He's got too many important things going on. He doesn't have time for you. The crowd is telling Him. Stop. But, Bartimaeus will not be deterred. He cries out all the more, louder and over and over again, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stops and he calls the man over. And here again we see the difference of Jesus and others. He's so different than us. Yes, he was a man, but he was the God man. And he looked at us in our needs and he actually cared. Right? The crowd wants Bartimaeus to shut up. Don't bother Jesus. Jesus, his need was not a problem for Jesus. It's actually why he came, was to care for the needs. And so Jesus calls the man over and says, What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Him, he, of course, knows. Uh, but giving Bartimaeus an opportunity to, to express that need to him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, I want to see. Would you please open my eyes? I want to see. Jesus cared for him when everybody else had dismissed him. Uh, he cared about the one that nobody else cared for. Jesus, remember, as the Son of God, the divine Son of God, revealed the Father to the world. And so what we see in Jesus Christ is what we, what we can know is true about our Heavenly Father. And we have a Heavenly Father. We have a God who cares for us in our needs. Doesn't dismiss us, doesn't discard us, but actually cares for us in our needs. Jesus came into the world modeling that. And so in 1 Peter, we're reminded that God actually cares. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. You can actually take your needs. You can take your worries. You can take everything that's burdening you to God. Why? Because He cares. And Jesus Christ, in His ministry, demonstrated that over and over again. Do you ever feel overlooked in this world? Do you ever feel dismissed by others? Have you ever opened up to someone with a need only to have it seem like they don't really care 
about what's going on. They don't demonstrate a level of, of love in that moment. We need to remember that's not our Savior. Our Savior actually cares for us in our needs. And church, let's also strive to be the place that we demonstrate the love and care and compassion of our Savior to this broken and hurting world. Let's be a place where people can express their needs and not be shunned, not be told like, hey, don't talk about those things or don't be such a burden on others, but actually be a demonstration of care because that's who our Savior was. What do we see about Jesus here? In our needs, Jesus cares. Second thing we see is this. In our brokenness, Jesus restores. In our brokenness, Jesus restores. Based on the number of TV shows that are out there on like restoration type projects, I'm assuming many of you must watch different versions of these. And you can find countless versions of them. There are people who restore historic homes. There are people who restore uh, antiques. There are people who restore toys. There's all kinds of shows that show people bring in this broken thing. And they're like, this was so important to me. And I just wish it looked the way that it used to. Uh, and these people come, like, work so uh, detailed to restore it back to its formal, former glory. Or all the fixer-upper shows. This house that's like a complete dump. And then these teams go in and they restore these historic homes or these homes that have just kind of lost their appeal and they restore them to this beautiful thing. We see that in our Savior over and over again. That we have a Savior who restores things, restores the brokenness in our world and in our lives. And that's what we see here again in Luke Luke 18, 42 and 43. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see, and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So Jesus gives the man his sight back, right? He says, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. And Jesus says, receive your sight. He restores his sight. The physical brokenness of this man's body had been restored. But then he goes on to uh, identify that the spiritual brokenness has also been restored, right? Uh, He says, your faith has saved you. So not only has this man been healed, but because of his faith, he has been saved. Salvation has been received because of his faith. And so the spiritual brokenness has been restored too. And so, verse 43, we see that instantly he can see. Immediately, his eyes are opened again. 
to being able to see. Could you imagine that? Being blind for any period of time. And then the, the first thing you see, the first face you see as you open your eyes is the face of your Savior, Jesus. What a beautiful, beautiful sight. Right? And so his response, of course, is appropriate. He starts giving glory to God. Praising God for what has happened. Praising God for, for what Jesus has done for him. And it doesn't just stop with him. It says everyone who was there, everyone who saw this took place, starts praising God for God being a God who can restore God, the God who restores the brokenness physically and spiritually restoring things the way that they could be, the way that they should be. That's what our Savior came into this world to do. And we have the promise that He does that and He will complete that with all of creation. So He's done that if we put our trust in Him spiritually. But we know that one day all of creation will be restored. So we have the promise in Revelation. Chapter 21 and verse 5. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. Everything, all of this broken world is going to be restored one day. That's what Jesus came to do, and that's what He will complete when He returns. We have things about us that are broken. Our bodies, some of us physically right now, can point to things that are broken, things that aren't working the way that they used to or the way that they were supposed to. And every passing day, every passing year, those things become more and more evident. Spiritually speaking, of course, all of humanity is broken because of the curse of the fall, because of our sins. And yet, Jesus came into this broken world and looks at us in our brokenness and does not discard us, but actually works to restore, right? Those who will cry out for mercy from Him will receive it. He will restore us. Right? He's going to do that. So do you long for the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of your life? Whether that's physical, whether that's spiritual because of sin, do you long for those things to be done away with? That's what Jesus came for. And we have really good news for us today. In our brokenness, Jesus restores the last thing we see in this text is this. In our lostness, Jesus rescues. In our lostness, Jesus rescues. Verse 1 through 10. If you grew up in church, you likely remember this story from VBS uh, or Sunday school. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Uh, Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho. 
and was passing through, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. So Zacchaeus, as a chief tax collector, is a rich man, the text says. And as the chief tax collector, so not only is he collecting taxes, he also likely has tax collectors working under him. And he gets a cut of what they have. And so he is an outcast in his community. People despise him. We've talked about the tax collectors before in this series. They despise the tax collectors. And they certainly despise Zacchaeus. He has been a traitor to to his people. And not only has he been a traitor to his people, he's getting rich off of it. He's raking in the money off of it. And so they can't stand him. But again, in this story... We're going to see sight is a theme here. So Bartimaeus was blind and wanted to see. Here we have sight as a part of a theme here. Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus was. He wants to get a look at him. But there's a problem for Zacchaeus. He's really short in a big crowd. And he can't get a look at him. He can't see him, but he knows he's there, and he's heard some things about him, and he wants to just get a look at, I want to see what everybody talks about. And so, seeing the way the crowd's going, he looks down the road, runs down the street to a place where he can get to a tree, and he climbs up a sycamore tree and is waiting. Because he can get a look at Jesus there. He can finally see this man that people have been talking about for almost three years. And the man, Zacchaeus, gets way more than he bargained for. Gets way more than what he had planned on. He just wanted to see Jesus. He just thought he was going to climb up the tree and watch him as he walked by. Make an assessment. Huh, interesting. Not what I expected. I would have thought he would look like this or something else. He just was going to get a look at him. But Jesus was on a rescue mission. Jesus was on a rescue mission for Zacchaeus. That day, Jesus stops, looks up at Zacchaeus, and says, Come down. Come down quick. Because it is necessary 
for me to come and stay with you at your house. That, that phrasing stuck out to me in a different way this week as I was reading this text and, and preparing. It's necessary for me to come. I have to come and stay with you, Zacchaeus. He didn't know him other than the fact that he's the divine son of God and he knew him. Uh, they didn't have a personal relationship. And yet he was on a rescue mission and said, I'm coming to your house. I have to come today. And so Zacchaeus, of course, overjoyed, comes down quickly and takes him to his house, welcomes him in joyfully. Come in, come in. Of course, again, we see criticism from others. In, this, in the last scene, the, the crowd was upset because the man was bothering, Bartimaeus was bothering Jesus. Here, the crowd is upset because Jesus has gone in with somebody like Zacchaeus. Really? Of everybody in this town, he chose to go stay with him? They couldn't believe it. They were complaining about Jesus going in with somebody like Zacchaeus, a sinner like Zacchaeus. Now, we've seen that before in the Pharisees. Uh, we've seen that a couple different times where they complained about Jesus' behavior. He hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. He eats meals with sinners and tax collectors. But it's not just the Pharisees here. It says everyone who saw this, the whole crowd who watched him go into Zacchaeus' house, is blown away. No way he would go in and stay with him. That man's a traitor. That man is a sinner. He's a, he steals from us. The crowd is upset and complaining about Jesus' actions. However, we're going to learn that this is exactly what Jesus came for, is to save the lost. To save even the ones that everybody else looks at and says, no, no way, not him, not her. There's no way Jesus should, Jesus should spend time with them. And Jesus is going to address that. Before that, though, we see Zacchaeus is actually demonstrates repentance just from this interaction with the Savior. Jesus didn't condemn him yet. Jesus hadn't even criticized him in the text yet. But Zacchaeus is repentant. He knows that he needs to live differently. And so he makes uh, this promise. Lord, I'm going to sell half of every... I'm going to give away half of everything I've got. I'm going I'm to sell it and give it to the poor. So no more hoarding the wealth to have the, the, the blessed and abundant life for himself. I'm going to care for others. And then on top of that, anyone that I have taken advantage of, anyone that I've extorted, I'm going to pay them back. And I'm not just going to pay them back what I owe them. I'm going to pay them back four times that. I'm going to make things right. He is repentant. Now, it's important that we understand that Zacchaeus is not buying his salvation. 
right? He's not paying his way out of his sinful actions before. He's just demonstrating his life is changed because of his encounter with Jesus. And so repentance is a part of that. Turning from his previous life and now turning to serve the Lord. And Jesus, I'm going to read them again, verse 9 and 10. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. And that, of course, is because Jesus has come to Zacchaeus' house. And that's why it was necessary for Christ to come into his house was because this man was lost and he needed to be saved. He had, had turned from God and he needed to be rescued. And so Jesus says, it was necessary for me to come. And then he says, salvation has come today. Zacchaeus has been brought back in to the family of God. Zacchaeus has been restored to the family. He says, he too is a son of Abraham. In reality, he hasn't lived like a son of Abraham and certainly hasn't been treated like a son of Abraham by the community that he's been a part of for quite some time. And some of that's because of his own sin because of his own betrayal, because of his taking advantage of people, he certainly didn't live as part of this family, part of this people. But Christ comes in and restores him and makes it clear he's part of the family. And I came to save him. And that beautiful verse, verse 10, reminding us, summing up for us, why did Jesus come? What was the purpose of him coming to this earth? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. That's why Jesus showed up in this broken world. Was to seek out people like me and people like you. Sinners who had turned from God. Sinners separated from God. And he came to rescue us. Remember when we were in Luke 15, he told the, the parable of the lost sheep and says, which one of you wouldn't leave behind your 99 sheep and go search out the lost one before something terrible happens to it? And that, of course, is reminding us that's the love of our God. That he searches out the lost he rescues the lost. It's what He's done with us, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus calls Himself in John the Good Shepherd. He's the shepherd that was willing to lay down His life for the sheep in order to rescue them. And in Colossians, we see what God was doing through Jesus Christ, Colossians 1, 13-14. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. In Him we have redemption 
the forgiveness of sins. God sent His Son, Jesus, on a rescue mission for you and for me. He brought us out of our sins, brought us out from under the control of Satan, and brought us into the kingdom of Jesus if we've believed in Christ. We have a Savior who's a rescuer, and He came for that purpose. That's what we see over and over again. He came to bring salvation even to the ones that everybody else looked at and said, no, not him, not her, no way. He was a rescuer, and he still is. Scripture's clear that we all need a Savior, right? And we can't earn our way back to God. We can't do enough or avoid enough wrong things to restore that relationship with God. It's not possible for us to do on our end. But remember what Jesus told them previously. What's impossible with man is possible with God. He said that about uh, a rich man getting into heaven. And then here we have the story in Luke about a rich man who's been saved Because God is a rescuer to the ones that everyone else says, no, there's no way. If you haven't received Jesus, please know that He came for you. He came to rescue you out of your sins and restore you to what you should be, to what you could be. He came to bring you into the family of God. Please know that in our lostness, Jesus rescues. And for us, church, let's also never forget that our mission should be the same mission of Jesus. Let's participate in... uh, in taking the good news out to others and never writing someone off. Some of you may know people like that that you think, man, I would have never thought they could have they would have come to faith. They were on a you know, on the fast track to just a life of destruction, ending in an, in an eternity in hell. And Jesus rescued them. And so let us never write people off, whether that's individuals we know or groups that we have a hard time really liking. Because we have a Savior who rescues the lost. He came for that purpose. Our text highlights sight throughout today, and it's provided us with an opportunity to again help us see Jesus for who He is. And so if you need salvation today, if you don't have the relationship with Christ that we're talking about today, Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day where you can receive the Savior. And He came to rescue you. And so see me after the service. See one of our elders after the service, our ministry leaders. We'd love to share the good news of the gospel with you and talk to you about trusting in Christ. And church, we have such a wonderful Savior. We've been shown it again in the Word today. We have such a wonderful Savior in Jesus Christ. He cares for us. He restores us. 
He has rescued us. People like me and people like you. He's a rescuer for us. So first and foremost, let's always live in awe that this is the Savior that we've been given because we don't deserve Him. Let's live in awe over the Savior that we see over and over and over again in Scripture. And in response to that, let's live lives changed. Let's live lives that demonstrate the care of our Savior to a lost and broken world. And let's point people to the only one who restores. Let's point people to the only one that rescues. Let's pray. God, you are so good and faithful. Thank you for the Savior that you've provided. Thank you for your word that continues to point us to him. And we do pray that you shape us. We, we have the promise that your spirit is working in us as individuals and as a church to shape us into the image of Jesus. And so work for that purpose. And then use us for your glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.